Welcome to Mental Reality with Dr. Beach. Thanks for listening to the Maniac series. Have you ever wondered why in the world a person would steal something really cheap that they don't need and can't afford? You guessed it, because they're a kleptomaniac. Which leads me to my next question. What is a kleptomaniac? Now, I know we've all heard jokes like, don't worry if you're a kleptomaniac, you can always take something for it. Ha ha ha. But really, let's dive a little deeper. In simple terms, a kleptomaniac is someone with an irresistible impulse to steal unneeded items. And it's different from garden variety theft in a few important ways. Unlike theft, people with kleptomania have a mental health condition. They don't steal out of material need or for fun or out of anger. They steal due to an intense urge to steal. It's like a psychological itch that must be scratched. And this overwhelming urge is only relieved when they steal an object, no matter how insignificant the object is. For instance, a kleptomaniac could steal a work colleague's pen off their desk or a shoelace out of a friend's shoe. Items their colleagues and friend may have given them or even bought them if they'd only asked. And while kleptomaniacs usually feel intense pleasure in the moment of the act, they often experience incredible guilt and shame afterwards. And that pleasure followed by guilt and shame creates a vicious cycle that repeats itself over and over again, causing the individual considerable distress. Some other interesting facts about kleptomaniacs is that the average age of onset is 17 years old. And interestingly, symptoms have been reported in children as young as 5 years old. And there are also some late onset cases where people describe not noticing symptoms until around the age of 55. So what is kleptomania? While no one cause is known, kleptomania is thought to be multifactorial. Here are some of the things we do know. Kleptomania commonly co-occurs with other mental health conditions, especially anxiety disorders, impulsive disorders, or compulsive disorders, as well as with substance use disorders and personality disorders. And the strongest link with kleptomania is with the anxiety disorder OCD, which stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. Now, OCD is characterized by obsessions, which are repetitive and intrusive thoughts and images that are anxiety-provoking, and compulsions, which are the behaviors or mental rituals that the person engages in in order to reduce the associated anxiety. We also know that the act of stealing can release a rush of the neurochemical dopamine from the pleasure center in the brain, and this reinforces the stealing pattern to the point that it becomes addictive. Kleptomaniacs also have a family history of kleptomania as well as addictive behaviors. And we know from studies that people with kleptomania also have more trauma, which could either be emotional or physical trauma. For example, a history of concussions or traumatic brain injuries. So how do we treat kleptomania? Now, fortunately, there are a number of effective treatments, which include talk therapies as well as medication treatments. One particularly important type of talk therapy is called CBT, which stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And in this therapy, the therapist helps to identify the kleptomaniac's unhealthy and maladaptive thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors, and works over time to replace them with healthier and more adaptive, positive ones. 
Some of the specific techniques that are used in CBT include covert sensitization, in which the kleptomaniac may picture themselves stealing and then facing negative consequences, such as being caught. Another technique could be more aversion or aversive therapy, in which the kleptomaniac may practice mildly painful techniques, such as holding their breath until they become uncomfortable when they have the urge to steal. And another technique is called systematic desensitization. Uh, Desensitization is in the word because the person will practice techniques like learning to relax and picturing themselves controlling their urge to steal. Famous sex researcher Dr. Alfred Kinsey rather flippantly described a nymphomaniac as someone who has more sex than you. But in all seriousness, nymphomania is a mental condition that is defined as a hypersexual disorder or as risky compulsive sexual behavior. And as you'll know from the last episode, a compulsion are actions that someone engages in repeatedly without getting pleasure from them or being able to control them. And so based on that definition, nymphomaniacs are compelled to engage in the behavior and normally don't get any actual pleasure from the sex. Now, nymphomania can happen to anyone, but it's thought to be more common among women and gay men. And nymphomaniacs may experience a whole host of other problems, including, for example, having problems concentrating or obsessing, having feelings of inadequacy, guilt, or shame. And for many nymphomaniacs, it's a way to dull feelings of pain or to stop feeling lonely. So what causes nymphomania? Now, the underlying cause or causes of nymphomania are unknown. And like other mental health conditions, nymphomania may result as a combination of nature or a hereditary or genetic factors or chemical imbalances in the brain and nurture or environmental factors including sometimes adverse traumatic experiences that we have as children or throughout our lifetimes. So how can we help? Now, back in the day, according to the book Nymphomania History, Victorian doctors believed that nymphomania was caused by such factors as eating rich foods, consuming too much chocolate, dwelling on impure thoughts, reading novels, or performing what were called secret pollutions, where overstimulating a woman's delicate nerve fibers was thought to lead to nymphomaniac. But honestly, this sexual compulsive behavior routinely has significant negative consequences, including exposing people to sexually transmitted infections, frequently damaging relationships with intimate partners, friends, and families, interfering with work and social life, uh, affecting someone's reputation, and making someone vulnerable to other mental health conditions, particularly anxiety and depression. The treatment for nymphomania may involve talk therapy and or medication treatments, which can help to address nymphomania as well as any other associated compulsive disorders or concurrent or co-occurring mental health conditions. And classically, medications may include anti-anxiety or antidepressant medications.
trichotillomaniac. Say that 10 times fast. You may be wondering, what the heck is that? Well, it's also referred to as hair pulling disorder. And yes, it sounds painful. But trichotillomania is a mental disorder that involves the recurrent urge to pull out hair from your scalp, eyebrows, or other areas of your body, despite trying to stop. Interestingly, many people who have trichotillomania may also pick at their skin, sometimes referred to as skin picking disorder, bite their nails or chew their lips, or pull hairs from their pets or items like their clothes or blankets. People with trichotillomania may feel an increasing and uncomfortable sense of tension before pulling or when trying to resist pulling their hair. And many people feel a sense of pleasure or relief after pulling their hair. For others, certain rituals like rubbing the hair across the lips or face may be common. The causes of trichotillomania are unclear, but like many complex conditions, trichotillomania probably results from a combination of genetic and environmental factors. We do know that trichotillomania can be related to negative emotions, such as a way of dealing with negative or uncomfortable feelings like stress, anxiety, tension, boredom, sometimes loneliness, fatigue, or even frustration. Or it can be related to more positive feelings, where people find that pulling out their hair actually causes satisfaction and provides a measure of relief. And as a result of that satisfaction and relief, that creates a cycle where people continue to want to pull out their hair in order to maintain those positive feelings. Some of the risk factors for trichotillomania include having a family history. And we know that among people who have trichotillomania, they're more likely to have a close relative who also has the disorder. Age, and usually trichotillomania first develops in the early teens. And while it's oftentimes a lifetime problem, we do see infants who are prone to hair pulling. But in that case, it's usually more mild and usually goes away on its own without treatment. Trichotillomania very frequently co-occurs with other disorders, including obsessive-compulsive disorder, other disorders where people can become preoccupied with their bodily appearance or sensation, impulse control disorders where people act without thinking, which can lead to kleptomania, which I covered earlier, or sexually compulsive behaviors like nymphomania or even self-injury. And then it can also co-occur with some neurological disorders like Tourette's, where people have tics like repetitive eye blinking or other involuntary bodily movements. We also know that severe stressful situations can also be a significant trigger for trichotillomania. And while trichotillomania is oftentimes a long-term or chronic disorder, we know that the symptoms can wax and wane, and that's particularly the case when people don't have treatment. We also know that hormonal changes can have an influence. For example, during a woman's menstrual cycle, the symptoms of trichotillomania often worsen. The emotional symptoms of trichotillomania can be very trying and may include feelings of shame, humiliation, or embarrassment. Frequently, people report low self-esteem, symptoms of depression or anxiety, or coping with alcohol or street drug use. 
Treatments for trichotillomania may involve both talk therapy or medication treatments, and oftentimes medications that we also use for anxiety or depression can be very helpful. While far more women than men are treated for trichotillomania, this may be because women are much more likely to seek mental health attention than men. We do know in early childhood that boys and girls appear to be equally affected by trichotillomania. Some very practical techniques that people who are suffering can try at home include wetting down your hair, as this will make it much more difficult to pull out your hair because it will be slippery, finding ways to learn what your body needs instead of pulling your hair, stimulating your senses, and avoiding caffeine at night, which can both improve sleep and also reduce anxiety. This concludes my episode on trichotillomania. Thanks for listening, and I hope you found this information helpful. Please stay tuned for the next episode of Mental Reality with Dr. Beach.